This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. On Tour is a production of iHeartRadio and Black Barrel Media. I'm your host, Brian Ray. On this show, we'll take you behind the scenes of the music business to give you the most raw and real tales you've likely never heard before. We'll share our wildest, most unbelievable, and yes, most embarrassing moments while on tour. From the Grammys to Coachella to award shows, from Beyonce to Bruno Mars, from Maroon 5 to Ariana Grande, chances are you've seen a show Leroy has designed. We can never cover all the megastars and tours Leroy has brought to life, so in this conversation, we dive into one of the most mysterious, most talented performers our world has ever known, and one we lost far too soon, Prince. We'll talk about Prince's boot camp production style, the man he was offstage, the purple rain phenomena, and his eerie prediction of his own death. If that's not enough, we throw in a few great stories from Leroy's days producing tours with Paul McCartney, Lady Gaga, and Rammstein. Here's my conversation with Leroy Bennett.
Welcome, Leroy. It's so good to be with you today. You've been a production and lighting designer for the biggest tours of the biggest acts in the whole world since your career began. You literally started at the top working with Prince. Somehow you've managed to keep it going up and up ever since. Let's start off today with talking about our connection. People out there may or may not know that you and I both work with Paul McCartney and have for 18 years. What are your first memories of the beginning of that tour back in 2002 together? Oh, wow. Um, it was pretty magical time. I mean, it was obviously my first time working with Paul, which is, you know, a Beatle, that's a big, that's a, that's a big step and quite an experience in itself. I just remember the whole vibe of the tour was, I guess, as we call it, it was the summer of love. It was just a really interesting meeting of really amazing people. I remember the first show was probably the most impressive thing to me because forget what I did, you know, it's like, because you're so focused on work, you forget who he is. And so the first day, the first night of the tour in San Francisco, as soon as the show started, it's like, I look up the stage and go, oh my God, it's that guy. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> but it was just also, it was just an incredible experience looking around me and seeing people in the audience crying because they were so emotionally moved and everything. So that was, it was just an amazing time. A lot of people probably don't know that your job being production and lighting design, it's sort of like the director of a film, like a Scorsese. Mostly the buck stops with you with the whole experience visually in a big concert. So it's a it's in quite an important role that a lot of people really haven't heard much about. And it's just great to be able to sit down with you and hear from where you grab your inspiration. I know you're into art and you're way into fashion and you're the one guy on tour who's always dressed like amazing. <laughs> like, I don't know where you come up with it. Every day of the tour, Roy's got on a new outfit. You could be out for two months you'll never see the same thing twice. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm in all black, okay? It's, it's not the worst job in the world, but I am in all black. Uh, let's jump over to Prince. It's impossible to know even where to begin. If I have the timeline correct, you define overnight success in that uh, you went straight from high school into lighting tech for rock and roll tours. And in 77 and 78, you learned the ropes. How did you first meet Prince? Um, I was working for a lighting company. It was a British lighting company was based here in LA. I did a couple of tours with them and the director of the company took me out to dinner one night and he said, you know, I have a feeling that you want to be more of a technician. And I said, yeah. He goes, well, okay, well, the next client that comes through that doesn't have a lighting designer and director, I'm going to put your name for it. I said, this is awesome. Great. Yeah, absolutely. So he calls me about a month or two later. I can't remember exactly how long that period of time was, but uh, he says, I got a client for you and his name is Prince. I said, okay, cool. So this was like late 79, early 80s. And I said, I'm up for it. I didn't know who he was. Did a little bit of homework. Thought he was really interesting. Um, I flew out to LA because I was living in Rhode Island at the time. Met with he and his manager, Steve Farnoli. Mm, Cavallo Ruffalo Farnoli, yeah. yes. <laughs> I was a part of that scene too. Uh, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people were. Um, and uh, so I got along with him. I got hired. And the next thing I know, I'm in Minneapolis a month or two later in rehearsals with Prince. And it was probably the most unreal experience I've ever had in my life. It was the hardest five days I have 
ever spent. It was hell. Really, tell us about that. <laughs> it was living out. I, I knew I, well, first of all, how I got the job was pretty funny. I mean, and I didn't find out, thank God, until later on. The director, Bruno Gath, who the director of the company, had spoken to Stephen Farnoli, the manager, and told him that I had done all these other projects that I had never done. So they hired me on the basis that I was an experienced designer. Oh, my God. I love this. <laughs> but... Um, no, I, I knew I could do it. I mean, I learned early on when I was younger that I did not want to be on stage. My parents were into musical theater. My mom was an opera singer. Both my sisters can play instruments and sing and perform and stuff. I have major stage fright and didn't want to get on stage. So what I learned I could perform through running lights, kind of enhancing the music in a visual way. So anyway, getting back to Prince, I was in rehearsal for five days uh, every day. I mean, he was brutal. He's ruthless. Uh, he was the king of public humiliation. <laughs> so wow. thank God. I mean, it was just, you know, the band was there who were amazing group of people. It wasn't the revolution at the time, but turned into the revolution. And Bobby Z, the drummer, came up to me after about the third day, gave me a big hug, and he said, look, don't worry. He said, every one of us goes through this. You're doing a great job. He's just putting you through the paces. And, and it really was what he was doing. He was just seeing where my breaking point was and what I would do and what I wouldn't do. Yeah, I mean, he was asking me to do all sorts of stuff. that He didn't even know what he was asking me just to do it. Uh, <laughs> and I'd go back to my room and cry, like... Every night, just like I couldn't believe what was going on. I mean, I never did that in front of him, but it was just like I couldn't believe what I was going through. It was hell. And it, it's like every morning I'd wake up and I have to go back to the rehearsals. And it's like, oh, what am I doing? Um, he really, he was one of these people that could see beyond what you thought you could do. He would push you way outside your comfort zone. Yes. But he did that to himself all the time, too. Mm -hmm. So it was, I went to the ultimate boot camp of rock and roll. I was just going to say, it sounds like a boot camp. What sort of things was he asking you to do that were so difficult? First of all, he, he expected me to know every single song he'd ever written. Every song. Immediately, I had to. Okay. And I, fortunately for me, I could hear a song and I remember it. At one time, and I'm, I'm cool with it, I can do what I have to do as far as running the lights and understanding and hitting the cues exactly what they need to do one time through. But he, I, that wasn't the case with him. I didn't, I didn't know everything, even probably the songs he'd never written before. Uh -huh. He just fucked with me to see how far he could push me and, and try to break me. And he, he saw that I would do, I would do whatever he asked me to do. I mean, he would ask me to focus a light a certain way. He didn't know what he was asking me. He would just say, do that. And so I'd get up on a ladder and do it. And not that it made a difference what I was doing. It's just he wanted to see that I was doing it. Right. And then I was focused and I was in tune. And then after those five days, he saw that I was totally dedicated to what I was doing for him. And I guess that it's fairly well known that he had a tough relationship with his father. At some yeah. point, were you going like, this isn't personal, this is just who he is, and I'm the recipient of this tough love that he got? 
Yeah. I mean, it was definitely, it was negative reinforcement. <laughs> oh, yeah. Jeez. I don't know how you did it. Were there any points there in that first five days you said you would go back to your hotel room crying? Did you ever feel like, man, I'm packing it in. I'm out of here. I can't do this for anybody. A, a very brief moment, but I said, no way. I'm not giving this up. This is my opportunity. I was given this. Yeah. This is a gift I was given and I'm going to go for it. After five days, Stephen Farnelli showed up and I uh, told Prince to back off, which he did. And then he started to see what I was doing. And then after that point, it was all smooth sailing. He and I became basically creative partners in his live branding, you know, in all the live shows. It was the Dirty Mind Tour and it was kind of unfortunately ill-fated because he wasn't really known at that time. And also the fact that it was very hard for the <laughs> the public to accept a, a little skinny black guy in leg warmers, bikini briefs, and a trench coat. Yeah, yeah. It, it, tends, you know, it's, <laughs> it tends to sort of confuse people a little bit. So, so we were playing theaters. So we were like holding 1,500 to 2,000 people. Um, maybe 200 people would show up a night. So after about three weeks, we shut the tour down. But at that point, he told Stephen, he says, he says, I never want to do another thing without Roy, ever. Had he done that without you, you mean? No, it's just like that was me establishing a relationship with him. I he see. just said that he never wanted to do another tour without me. He didn't want to do anything. No, he never wanted to perform without me. And that was pretty much the way it was for 14 years. Amazing. You know, I did all the live performance stuff in Purple Rain movie. He got me involved with all his television performances. And the thing with Prince, and this is what I learned, beyond all the other stuff, I learned how to focus and listen and filter. And that's how I've been able to deal with all the artists over the years, is that he spoke a language that it was weird. I mean, it wasn't, he did not speak normal. Um, you didn't have a normal conversation with him. It was very abstract. A lot of times he didn't even, he and I never talked, but I just, I knew what was going on in his head. We were very much the same in a lot of ways. So how he viewed what we were doing. Mm -hmm. He was the, definitely the ultimate rock star. Mm -hmm. he, I mean, he had it down to a T. He understood everything about what it took to be a rock star how to, you know, live like a rock star. I mean, he dressed. What you saw was him 24-7, That's right. He didn't go around in like sweatpants and a t-shirt. Nope. It was what you got all the time. Um, he understood also not to give yourself away in the media. It's a natural thing for people to have what they can't have. You know, they always want what they can't have. That's right. This is in the years way before social media, oh, yeah. where now it's like, you know, looking for a sip from a fire hose. It's right. all the time. Everybody's <laughs> up in your grill. But it's interesting to me that, um, you know, I, I got to, uh, I met Prince a long, long time ago because I was with Cavallo Ruffalo. Right. I remember going to a 7-Eleven in the Valley and here's this guy in a black leather trench coat and I turned around and it was Prince. <laughs> and uh, he got into a Corvette and sped off. And around that same time, I was opening for the Rolling Stones with Hedda James. And Prince was on the bill. Yeah. And I remember he was dressed as you just described. I think he was wearing like thigh high heels and a leather bikini briefs, uh, like a thong 
and a trench coat, which came off early in the show. And unfortunately, the audience there was just, you know, they were there to see Honky Tonk Woman. And they weren't really, they couldn't understand it. And he got booed. Do you remember Prince talking about that? Did he sound like... I was there. Shocked? Yeah. I, I was there for that whole thing. And it was the first time that he had ever experienced the negative reaction. Um, no, it was horrible. It was, you know, basically at that time, a Stones audience was pretty much a bunch of bikers. Yeah, that's right. You know, and the last thing they want to do is, A, see, you know, a little skinny black guy that, with a high, high voice in leg warmers and bikini brief and high heels and a trench coat. You know, it's they they couldn't tell if he was gay or straight. He was just he was scary. And that was the problem. They they anytime somebody reacts like that, it's because they're scared. They feel threatened. They don't understand what it is. So they fight against it. Mm -hmm. You know, that's Yeah, that's interesting. You and I were both there. And um I can only imagine that he thought that this was going to be amazing and he was going to take the world by storm, which he, of course, later did. But it must have been an incredible adjustment for him, so self-assured, to then go on stage with what he thought was a great outfit and people are now throwing things and booing him off stage. It just must have been really hard. And, and did you sort of... Um, come to his side and sort of comfort him in that moment? And that, and is that one of the reasons why he trusted you to stay with him for all those years that followed? Well, I mean, he and I had a very close relationship prior to that. So, yeah, I mean, I stood by him the whole time. He, he, I mean, after that happened, he obviously cut the set short and he walked off the stage, got in the limo, went to the airport, got in the jet, flew home. And it took a lot to get him back. It took Mick calling him. It took uh, Bill Graham, everybody, just to to get him back. And finally, he came back the final, the second weekend, as you know. And and it happened again. But before, but he, I mean, he stuck it out as long as he could. But before he went out, do you remember hearing Bill Graham scream, basically cuss out the audience? Yeah, I do remember that. You know, he basically Bill Graham just told him. He said, "You guys are." embarrassing me or you just you're an embarrassment he says you're going to be spend paying a lot of money to come see this guy in the future and of course a few years later get look what happened yeah so. absolutely <laughs> so it, along those lines he became a, a megastar right in front of your eyes like he always had the vision he always had this incredible creative force but did he change much as a person or was it more like he always he just fulfilled what he always suspected he was a megastar um, it all changed on Purple Rain. Leading up to that, through controversy in 1999, we had a pretty steady momentum of growing, you know, moving up. You know, and the increments were not huge, but they were they were steady and, and quite good steps. But Purple Rain was just in into the you know the stratosphere at that point. Yeah, it, we were. You know, we'd load into a city and sometimes play up to two weeks in one place. It definitely took its toll on him. Mm. It, it was like, be careful what you wish for syndrome. <laughs> it was really? definitely. Really? Um, I, it definitely started the beginning of the isolation. You know, 
going back to that Stones incident, it definitely was a turning point in how he dressed, too. He changed his, I mean, that was probably the last time he ever wore a leg warmers in a bikini brief. I mean, that had an effect on him. So it was, but it, it, his, at that point, it just, as things kept getting more and more, you know, as it became bigger and bigger, it put more pressure on him, like it does any artist. The more people expect out of you, the more the pressure is. And he, Purple Rain definitely, I think, put him over the edge at that point. Did he start receding from uh, after show gatherings and was just a little less visible no, to, to I mean, everyone we, on tour? Or Every single night we'd always go up because we filmed every show. So we'd go to his suite and it would be myself and the band sitting there with him, watching the videotape. We're basically reliving the show again. Right after the show. Oh, right after the show. Unbearable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one right there. So would he have notes for everybody every night after every show? Yeah. I mean, it was, this is instead of partying. Then. Yeah, this was like. Well, there was. Yeah, that was his version of party. Wow. I mean, it was we review and perfect. Wow. Which you did. Yeah. By the way. <laughs> I mean, there's there's a reason why you would land in a city and stay there for two weeks is because it was bloody perfect and it was amazing and it changed a lot of people's definition of what a a live entertainment show should be. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Are you on the hunt for a new home this spring, but don't know where to start? Fisher Homes is your solution. Your new home should reflect you from the front door to the kitchen and even your outdoor space. Start your journey by selecting your ideal home site, like in a cul-de-sac or that's tree-lined, and then choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans. Bring it all together at our Lifestyle Design Center. Let Fisher Homes be your new home solution this spring and start making memories at fisherhomes.com. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release 
presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. I was wondering, you were just talking about uh, the 1999 tour, and he had that great bed that went up into the into the air from the stage where he simulated uh, having sex. How much of that idea was his and how much was yours? To Well, it was both of ours. I mean, he wanted a bed. The whole set was all Venetian blinds. And the reason why I ch- chose to use Venetian blinds is that particularly during the 80s, it was, what was it, uh, American Gigolo or something like yes, that? Yes, it was, yeah. You know, it was, you always associate Venetian blinds with a bedroom and then all right. that. So it was a very sexual thing that everyone had it in a video. Baker Street, everyone had yeah, Venetian blinds. Totally. It was the, you know, it was the very suggestive texture of the month, a year, I guess, or the decade or yeah, whatever at that point. The decade. So, I mean, yeah, it was this, this bed rose up in front of the, uh, the Venetian blinds and he performed his little sex act. And it was funny because I was talking about this the other day to one of his costume designers and the way his pants were, they were, it was a diagonal flap that he mm-hmm. buttoned up and he would undo the flap so that it would flop down. So you would think when you saw it in silhouette, it looked, <laughs> looked like his dick was hanging out, but it wasn't obvious. It was just a flap of his pants. And it was just one of these things. He was very, he just knew how to take it right to the edge and get people's heads in that space where they thought, whoa, this is, he's actually doing that. And in fact, no. Wow. That was a, a mind blower. And I remember uh, the reviews, friends of mine going to see that show, and they just were blown away. And his energy was just off the charts. Uh, but tell us about that, uh, to the, the infamous bathtub. Oh, my God. Well, we had one made. And the idea was, instead of getting on a bed and performing sex, he was going to get in the tub and take a shower. And so before the shower head was put up, uh, the tub was sat on a base that it was clamped down to. Basically, they took these aircraft pins. It would just, they're quick release pins that secured it to this base. Sure. And he, he'd rehearsed because we didn't have the shower head ready. So he would be getting into the tub where the faucets would be, or the flat vertical side of it. And I went up to him and I said, look, Prince, you're sitting at the wrong end of the tub. The, the end that you want to sit at is where it leans back. And the, the vertical part's where the, the shower head's going to be. He said, okay, okay. What I didn't know just after I told him is what happened after the, they did the tub scene, the, this lift would track up and down stage, the center of the stage. It would bring a piano up after that. I didn't realize that he told the carpenters not to pin the tub onto the base because it was taking too much time to get the tub off and get the piano on and come up when it needed to. Oh, he went around you. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Okay, so, so what happened? So get to that whole point in the song and he gets in the tub, does exactly what I told him, sits down, leans up against the, the part that leans back. And of course, the tub not being pinned down just kept going. So as he leaned back, the tub went right over. Oh, no. And I, I was like, oh, God, my heart was in my throat at that time. I thought, oh, fuck, what happened to him? And fortunately, what was happening, it was six feet up in the air off the deck of the stage. Holy. But 
the so- that next song had these panels that pulled out from underneath the keyboard risers to either side of the- where this lift was. So in fact, he really fell four feet, enough to shake him up, and he was pissed off. You know, he just I, I, you know, I thought he got serious hurt. I, you know, all I saw him go over and disappear. <laughs> and I thought, oh God, you know, he's hit the. We've hit- seen that happen before on oh, another oh, tour. Yeah, I know. You no, know, go ahead. Don't remind <laughs> <Keep> me. <going. laughs> so <laughs> it happens. Hey, you know, shit happens in rehearsals. Buy the tricks, pay the price. Exactly. I mean, it's just stuff so, that happens. Anyway, so he got up. He, he was fine. He just shook up and got in his car, peeled out. Flew out of the place. We never saw him again. So the lyrics to When when Doves Cry goes, it became Carpenters Strike Curious Poses. This is what it sounds like when tubs fly. Oh, no. So that was... (laughs) Excellent. That was the theme song to the tour. Amazing. So did the tub stay in after that? Oh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Did he admit to the fact oh. that he had gone around you and, and oh, screwed hell no. With, he, no, it was your fault. Yeah. No, it wasn't. No, he would never do that to me. Ever. Oh, that's good. No, I, I was fortunate after the first five days, I never got shit again. Ever. Oh, ever, man. ever, ever. I was... Um, <laughs> I was just absolved of all of that stuff. It was, it was fine. I mean, he was just mad at the world and mad at everything, but not at you particularly. No, he knew it was his fault. He'd never apologized, though. So I knew when he was apologizing, it was just not in a very apologetic way. <laughs> you just take what you can get, because yeah. it isn't going to be one of the world's best apologies. Yeah. What, did you ever consider how that was going to play in the Midwest, the bed or the bathtub? I didn't care. I mean, we, I knew we were always out there pushing the edge of morality, you know, particularly at that time. It, I have no problem with making people uncomfortable, mm. you know, making them think, make them, you know, taking people outside their comfort zone. Because it, it's, you know, you're taking people on a journey and you're making, you're educating people, you're, you're healing people, you're doing all these things. So it's all part of the, you know, Part of the job, part of the show business, yeah, part of what you do. It's almost like a, a couple hours of psychotherapy. It totally. is pushing boundaries. And you're not doing it right if you're not pushing boundaries. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So Prince was rumored to be sort of a next level perfectionist as we're talking about him now. And I've heard that sound checks could last for hours. You'd rehearse and then he'd still want to change things. And I heard he had hand signals to change things on stage during the show, sort of like James Brown used to do. How difficult was it to follow his hand signs on stage? Well, I mean, I was, I was the sixth member of the band. And so, well, it would have been the seventh if you include him, but it was, I was expected to do my job exactly as a band member would do. I had to watch everything, everything had to be, right on all the time every hit so he had hand signals that he would do uh you know whether it was if it was for horn hits or turnaround or uh, there was all sorts of stuff breakdown breakdown solo yeah yeah and so i would have to watch him I, i didn't take my eye off the ball basically ever because whatever he was showing telling the band to do i had to do the same thing with lighting and every once in a while, he would play with me and just turn around and give them the signal where I couldn't. So his back was to me and it, he would not let show me what it was. So I had to be on it. I knew what he was doing. 
And so I had to, I'd have to catch the first note. I mean, as soon as the first squeak of anything, I knew what it was. Mm. And I'd have to follow suit because otherwise he would just turn around and laugh at me. It wouldn't be obvious to anybody, but I know he'd, he'd have a big grin yeah. on his face. He got you. Oh, yeah. And I was like, what would happen if someone missed one of these crazy hands? I go, <laughs> well, I mean, it was, it, it was not just musicality. It was, are you paying attention? Sure. And if you missed, the next thing you hear over the mic is 50 bucks. <laughs> so, you would say that 50 bucks. Oh, yeah. He was full on James Brown. With, with that kind of that level of perfectionism and that kind of demanding nature, did people get burned out and just walk away? Uh, either you could hang or you couldn't. And he was fine with that. I mean, he didn't want anybody that couldn't keep up with him. I mean, fortunate for me, he didn't understand my job. He didn't understand how I did it, but he knew I delivered. Yeah. It took a lot to, you know, to get that trust. I wouldn't have wanted to have been a musician because he could play everything better than anybody. So sure. It's true. It was like, and he could play the, the guitar, get, get the drum machine going, get the play guitar, and play the keyboards at the same time. Yeah. And, and you know, it's, it, it's crazy. But he, I mean, he would do that in soundcheck. And sing. And, and sing. play keyboards but he played and the, bass. He could play everything really but well. But he would do the guitar and the keyboard at the same time. And we'd play the keyboard upside down. Basically, he'd be on the backside of the keyboard playing in reverse while he's playing guitar with the other hand. Yeah. He's <laughs> a savant. Yeah. Really. It was crazy. He's just like from another planet. Yeah. So you talked about being really close with them through all those years. Um, I can imagine that there was a lot of time, downtime at Paisley Park, just hanging out. Did you ever see another side of him that was warmer and, or was he always on, always being Prince? When it was just he and I, he was different. Well, I used to go hang out with him. He'd just call me up and just want to hang out with me. And so we'd sit and just talk about stuff in his house. We'd talk about music or... A little bit about fashion. There was one time we sat and watched a race ahead, not consecutively, but about four times, I think, three or four times. I don't think he could wrap his head around it, but it was making it was enough. It was obviously a very disturbing movie to watch because it was so weird. It was just nothing but a drone, and you know, it's just a very bizarre film. But it was funny because we'd sit and watch it over and over again. I think he was just trying to figure out what it was that was so intriguing about it. But well, I go over there and I ended up making him a lemon cake one time. And it became one of these things where, I mean, he liked it so much that he'd call me up and he'd make me come over and make a lemon cake for him all the time to, before he'd spend a night up, uh, being up all night recording. And that's what he ate. It's basically, it was a sugar high to keep him going all night long. Uh, there was one time just before Love Sexy, I was using this one particular moving light company that uh, basically they'd said they, they'd had issues prior to that. They said they'd resolved them all. And we got into rehearsals and there was this problems and I had to get rid of them. And three days before the end of rehearsals and I had to call Very Lights in, the, the company that I'd used prior to that. <laughs> and so, which meant that I was up for three days straight reprogramming the whole show to a whole different kind of lighting format. Oh, man. So he felt horrible. He just felt so bad for me that he would come in the middle of the night and bring 
grocery bags full of snacks for myself and for Mac Mosier, who was my program at the time, just to make sure we're all right. I mean, if he had a really sweet side to him. That's amazing. So I guess that's an aspect of Prince that people wouldn't guess and wouldn't know. That's, that's lovely. Yeah. There were times where after he would do sound check and he would come out to the front of the house, the lighting console and just hang out with us because he didn't want to hang out with anybody else. He just like, because he thought we were funny because we were always joking around, having a good time and stuff like that. And he liked that. And, and he, he liked the fact that, you know, I and my team got, you know, we did everything we were supposed to do for him. We were on the case all the time, but we could also have a good time doing it. So he he'd just get away. It was like getting away from everything for a bit and just sure. being able to just relax and be himself. Yeah, sure. Getting off stage for a second. Yeah. Hanging out with you guys. What was the beginning of the end for you guys working together? Was there an event or a, a, a problem or did? Well, it, it was not him. It was, it was not Prince. What happened was once he and Stephen Farnoli uh, parted ways, it was the beginning of this revolving door of all sorts of people, lawyers, business managers, managers, anybody, everybody trying to, you know, save the world of Prince. They all thought they could do it. You know, they could make him not spend so much money. And, it's, and it was like, and now, of course, I was the... I was the f- first one in the line that I, they attacked because everything you I did closest was closest as well, and I, everything I was, you did was expensive. Yeah, so, <laughs> so you got to get rid of Roy. They, they tried, and he'd even make me talk to them. He didn't want to talk to them, so I have to explain stuff to him. And and I said to him, "Look, you know, it's if he wants something, it's got to happen." There's no no, or it's too expensive. He didn't want to know about money because I said if you said it was too expensive, or if it involved money, he would he he'd have your head, you know. Just just do it, you know. And I always did what I had to do, and I delivered what I had to deliver when he wanted it. So it was that, and then eventually it got i i dealt with it i mean he even told me at one point when he got some new business manager that I, he didn't want to speak to them he said just you go talk to them and tell them how we do things and i said no i said this that's not what my job is you know right i'll help but you've got to talk to them not me mm-hmm. and so eventually it got to this point because stepping back a bit he basically had first right of refusal all the time for those 14 years. Um, but I'd also go off and do a different projects. And that was very hard for him to accept at first because he was very possessive of things that he really liked and loved. And it was his, his thing. Um, I explained to him that if I went off and worked with other people, I could develop things, I'd learn things, and I'd bring it back, and it would make our world better. Mm-hmm. You know, I just had to keep growing. Mm-hmm. It was better for us if I did. He, you know, he kind of got over it, and it was fine. But what would happen during this period of when this, all these people were constantly changing, I'd have to come back, and there'd be a whole bunch of new people there all the time. And I have to explain myself to them, as I was saying. But there was also a whole new regime of bodyguards. You know, it's just, we were doing a simulcast in... It was Glam Slam. It was for his birthday. It was the three clubs, one in Miami, the Los Angeles club, and the one in Minneapolis. And we were in Miami performing. After the whole thing happened, I was sitting in the hallway after, and the bodyguards came up to me, started pushing me around, saying I couldn't sit there, I couldn't be in the hallway. And it was like, 
I thought, I said to him, look, I said, I started to explain who I am, what I did, and they didn't care. They, you know, they just thought I was full of shit. And I thought, you know what? If it's come to this, I'm done. So I waited outside because they threw me out of the building. And he came out and he wanted, you know, he just said, hey, see you later. I said, no, you won't. I said, I'm done. I said, and I kind of went off about the bodyguards. And I said, you know what? You, these guys, if, if you want to know why I'm not, don't show up again, talk to them. I said, they completely screwed up here. Mm-hmm. So I can't take this anymore. I'm done. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to have to explain myself all the time. Mm, so that was it. Yeah. Wow. Well, what a what a long, great time with him. When when you when you learned that he had passed away, did you uh, do you remember where you were and how that uh, hit you? It must have been a shock as it was for everybody. Well, I couldn't be further away. I was in Taipei at the time. Right. Were there signs leading up to it? Did you feel like if this guy keeps going? You know, there, there's no way this is going to end well. Well, it's kind of an involved story. I mean, he, when we were younger, in our 20s, I mean, he told me he wasn't going to live beyond 38. And he had also told the same thing to, the, the you know, Bobby Z and the other guys and girls in the band. Oh, really? I mean, he had had that conversation. He had this kind of fixation of dying young and beautiful, you know, he was fixated on Hendrix and Janis Joplin and Jim Morrison and all that stuff. He there was something about that whole the romantic young death side of things that he was fascinated by. Um, obviously, he, he he lived by his sell by sell by date by twenty years, <laughs> according to what he was looking to do. Yeah, right. <laughs> Fortunately for us. Um, but it, I mean, it didn't surprise me. I, I felt helpless being so far away. I couldn't do anything. Mm. Did you see signs? Was he, you know, receding into, uh, opiates and stuff like that? Or was that a surprise to you? Well, you know, he is clean as everybody, you know, he portrayed himself to be. He dabbled in drugs. He had this hip operation and then of course got, hooked on what they gave him for painkillers. And of course, when they cut him off, he wanted to keep going. Mm. That's as it is with everybody else. It's same died. story in same every story. inner yeah. city, man. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a big problem. And that's what happened. You know, his last few months, I, it was definitely the beginning of the end. And, you know, we can all have our theories and stuff, but knowing him the way he was, that... You know, he was very sexual, um, very driven musically. From what I heard that, you know, the last few days, he, I don't know who he told, but he said his hands hurt. He says, my hands hurt. You know, he lost a lot of weight, you know, doing the drugs that he was doing, was making him constipated. And of course, then he had to take all the laxatives. Obviously, he had this affected his sexual side. So he was just like, you know, everything, that was it. Now, you know, I can't say it was intentional. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It could have been that he just, I'm, I'm finished here. I've done everything. Yeah, I mean, Prince was a meteor, you know, 
And it's almost like some of these artists are meant to burn hot yeah. and they're not meant to last forever. And he was a guy who, if he couldn't be Prince the Magnificent, you know, the hot burning star, if he was compromised due to his opioids and his pain in his hip and his knees and stuff like that, you know, maybe he just felt like, I, I, I don't want to be here if I can't be the prince that everyone expects me to be. Yeah. Well, it was, I mean, I was, I was really lucky that I did get to see him. The last time I saw him was at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremonies mm -hmm. when he was inducted. And also he played that, the infamous guitar solo. Oh, yeah. On um, While My Guitar Gently Weeps. Yeah. It was... I was the production designer for the show. So we sat, I was lucky because we sat for about an hour, an hour and a half in the ballroom just by ourselves. And when off the rehearsals and everything, just hanging out and talking and reminiscing. And because we hadn't seen each other and spoken to each other, spoken to each other for numerous years. And, you know, it was great because we finally got to express how, you know, the, the love for each other. And I mean, we had said that years, you know, decades before, but it was just, we, you know, finally just had this really emotional moment of just saying, talking about all the things we had done and you know, reliving a lot of stuff and just how much we cared for each other. We wanted to do something again, but unfortunately the timing and finances and all sorts of stuff, it didn't work out. But at least, at least I had that moment with him. Oh, that's so beautiful. That's so... Wow, it's like a storybook ending for you guys that you were able to come full circle. Was that the last time you saw him then? Yeah. I'm really happy that you, for you, had that moment reminiscing and expressing, you know, your appreciation and love for each other. That's just an amazing moment, man. Oh, it was, it, it was a gift. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Are you on the hunt for a new home this spring? 
but don't know where to start? Fisher Homes is your solution. Your new home should reflect you from the front door to the kitchen and even your outdoor space. Start your journey by selecting your ideal home site, like in a cul-de-sac or that's tree-lined, and then choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans. Bring it all together at our Lifestyle Design Center. Let Fisher Homes be your new home solution this spring and start making memories at fisherhomes.com. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. So let's talk about Rammstein. It My could boys. not be more different than Beyonce, Lady Gaga, Bruno Mars, or Paul. He, they're the complete opposite end of the spectrum. Uh, you incorporate real fire on stage and you, you build these shows to go from nothingness to overwhelming insanity. Tell us a little bit about what the process is working with uh, Ramstein and the planning for the visual aspects of their show. Well, I mean, Ramstein is a very interesting group of guys. I mean, it's 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 a democracy. One guy doesn't like it, then doesn't happen. Mm. You know, there there is no band out there like them mm-hmm. at all. You know, any band that thinks they've got pyro, they don't. You mm. know, they make everybody else look like a bunch of pussies. Yeah, and they they have no fear. Absolutely no fear at all. Um, they're, they're a lot of fun. They're the sweetest guys ever. Um, but they, you know, it's, it's, it's theater, it's opera, it's industrial music. It's this grand spectacle. And it's just, it's one of the most fun shows I've ever done. It's all the shows that I've done with them. It's just because it is so over the top, but done with a lot of thought. I mean, there is a lot of thought that goes into every single thing that they do. I mean, the 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 safety manual that they bring with them for all the certs and certificates and stuff, it's a huge, thick book. I mean, that's how they get away with it. They have somebody, they, what, the whole time in rehearsals, there's somebody, a safety officer there making sure. notes and everything. Right. So everything is, there's no way anything can screw up. Mm. So it's it's fun. I mean, it's... Their music is rock, but then it's electronic. It's 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 really an interesting array of music. And if you if you're not a fan of the band per se, if you go see the show. I guarantee you'll become a fan of the band. Amazing. Well, how do you top yourselves? I mean, those are the most dynamic, insane visuals ever done on stage for for Rammstein. So how how do you top yourself on the next tour? Do you just start from nothingness again? What do you do? Well, I mean, a lot of what I've done with them, my participation is purely the stage set and the lighting. All the pyro is done because Till the singer is a licensed pyrotechnician. Mm. So he comes up, he and uh, Nikolai Sabatka, who is the tour manager, a production manager, who also owns FFP, the pyro company. So it's it's Nikolai and Till coming up with all the pyro effects. So a lot of what I build has to take in consideration what we're going to do with the pyro. Mm. It's all integrated into the whole thing. So it's a, it's a, it's a massive teamwork. 
Amazing. Tell us about the creative process when you first met with Lady Gaga. Uh, Gaga, she's such a sweetheart. She's one of my favorite people ever, just as a human being, let alone an artist. I mean, she's an incredible artist. Mm. She's definitely the shit when it comes to doing what she does. She's very visual, as we know, um, very involved in the whole vibe. We, it's a collaboration. Mm -hmm. She's a really good, she's a fantastic collaborator. She's one of those people, you give her something, she owns it. Mm. You know, and that's what I love about her. She can improvise. She doesn't need to be, um, you could throw a log on stage and she'll work around it. It doesn't matter. Just she's an incredible, incredible artist that way. So when it, when it comes to creating things, it's Gaga's shows are journeys. They're always a journey. I mean, everything that she does is a journey and it's a journey of her life and healing and it's not only just for her, it's for everybody else. It's, you know, because everybody, a lot of us have gone through some of the stuff that she's gone through. And mm. there's a lot of positivity that is involved within her show. And it's it's building a show where she actually physically can go on a journey, a trip. It's just building where she's traveling from one place to another. It's as abstract worlds or whatever. But it's just building an environment that she can live this journey in. Mm-hmm. Has an artist ever said, no, there's no way, I'm not going to do that? Um, no, I've been very lucky. I mean, when I'm in the design process, it, it, it takes a while because I have, I think about it on every level. Because I have to think about the budget, I have to think about the logistical side and the artistic side. And, and I always like to try to push the boundaries as much as possible. As I'm designing something, I think about what that is mm -hmm. and what it's, how it's going to be how it's going to work within the show, how it's going to interact with the artist, how are they going to feel about interacting with it. Mm -hmm. you, when you're playing with mechanics and things, it takes a lot to, you know, for an artist to have the confidence of things that are moving, particularly, you know, it, it's dangerous. It can be super dangerous. Sure it can, yeah. But, you know, it's just, it just depends on how brave they are and mm. how focused they are on mm -hmm. doing stuff. And, you know, like I said, you know, like Gaga, she'll, she will, she's up for trying anything. I mean, as, as you saw, for the halftime show where she dropped out of the ceiling, well, she didn't drop all the way out, but I mean, she was 90 feet up in the air when the camera came on in that harness. That's a long way up. She's a brave artist. Oh, yeah, totally. She, all these artists are. Yeah. You, you've worked with some of the most brave artists ever. Have you ever had a last minute production like MacGyver where something very important coming up was not working and you had to do some kind of last minute fix? Um, well, like on McCartney, one of the first shows, that first tour that we did where the screen didn't go up. Oh yes, I remember it well. Well, we, we but these things, those are things you work around. Uh, I've never had to throw an idea out the window ever. One of my favorite memories is when we had the, the curtains on two different tours. And one of the funniest things I ever remember is the hem of the curtain caught the end of Paul's lead vocal microphone <laughs> and <it> started <laughs> pulling it up <laughs> into the sky in the middle of the stage on our first song. And there's no way of getting around that that is a very funny situation. Yeah. And there was Paul laughing his head off. <laughs> no. <laughs> what can you do? We just kept vamping. Yeah. We just kept playing until Scott Chase ran on stage and, you know, they reversed the curtain a little bit till he could grab the mic, which was like 20 feet in the air. <laughs> it was pretty hilarious. But I mean, it's just 
stuff you got to do. You know, yeah. you band together and get it done. And then we launched into the first song. Absolutely. The I show mean, must go you, on. When you've got a lot of moving parts, so, you know, unfortunately, sometimes things happen. Fortunately, nothing fatal has ever happened. We're going to move on now to what we call the encore. The non-glamorous side of what we do is is the travel. What's the craziest travel story that's happened to you? And was there a moment when you said to yourself, this is not really as fun as I thought it would be? The first tour I was on, uh, the bus, major accident. The schedule was crazy and the bus driver fell asleep. You know, because it was just not, there, nobody was ever sleeping because oh, it was just nonstop. Natural. So the bus went off the road. And all I remember is waking up in my bunk. And of course, I hit the ceiling in my bunk. And we were flying across this field and the bus got buried in an overpass embankment. I mean, fortunately, nobody got hurt, but the bus was like at a 45 degree angle. And when we got out of the bunk, everybody fell to the back of the bus. Yeah. And poor bus driver. I mean, Terry, he was a sweet guy. And all I remember is waking up going, all I heard was, holy shit, we're going to crash. Oh, <laughs> oh shit. Um, oh, man. But, you know, bunk, I mean, traveling on the bus, I mean, I'm, you know, there's drinking and drugs and all sorts of stuff. Obviously, back mm. back in the in the seventies and eighties, you know, there's lots of parties and all yeah. sorts of stuff. So, over your long career, is there one memory that you would say was your most outstanding, most special, most beautiful memory? Wow, <laughs> that's tough. I mean, there's a lot of them. The opening night in Detroit on Purple Rain with Prince, where we dropped thousands of fresh flowers and silk flowers all over the audience. It just seemed like it rained for flowers forever. But the smell, we only did it in Detroit with the live flowers, but it was carnations. It smelled like carnations. In the, so the whole arena smelled flowers, which was beautiful. The opening night with the first show we did with Paul in San Francisco or Oakland, that was amazing. Just mm. the vibe in the room. Boy, wasn't it? Something else. It was unreal. You know, it's it's Paul in front of the Coliseum, inside the Coliseum, but outside the Coliseum the next day for 500,000 people was insane. Amazing. Hey, Roy, thank you so much, man. This has been a, a really beautiful time. And thanks so much for all the wonderful moments that you've given us with your Beautiful productions over the years. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. Thanks for coming. Thanks, man. Beautiful house. By the way, I'm going to stay here from now on. <laughs> Thanks, Roy. Thank you. Thank you for listening, and thank you to Leroy for having us over to his badass home. Next time you're at a show, be sure to fully appreciate the set, the lights, the entire scene. And for fun, check out Leroy's resume on his website, LeroyBennett.com. You'll be amazed. On Tour is a production of iHeartRadio and Black Barrel Media. This show is produced by Mandy Wimmer with executive producer Noel Brown, and I'm your host, Brian Ray. For more information about On Tour, visit our website, BlackBarrelMedia.com. For behind-the-scenes photos from these interviews and interact with us, visit our social media at OnTourPod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For more shows from iHeartRadio and Black Barrel Media, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.
Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Are you on the hunt for a new home this spring, but don't know where to start? Fisher Homes is your solution. Your new home should reflect you from the front door to the kitchen and even your outdoor space. Start your journey by selecting your ideal home site, like in a cul-de-sac or that's tree-lined, and then choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans. Bring it all together at our Lifestyle Design Center. Let Fisher Homes be your new home solution this spring and start making memories at fisherhomes.com. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com schedule release to learn more.